Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for this. Because radio wouldn't have them. Foxy and Giuliano, the podcast. Here we go. Hi. Hi. I'm not going to laugh at the, the fart thing. It's, I'm 40 years old now, mate. We've been doing this for 15 years, and, and we used to laugh at the blow-offs, but I just feel that we've got to the point now where... You got the laughs out before we started recording. I did, yeah, 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 yeah. Ever since we got our mate Simon to make the production for our soon-to-be award-winning podcast, I have been giggling away at the blow-off noise, but I just feel that, I don't know, is that the audience that we're going for, Juliana? I, I don't judge us just on the blow-off. That's no. what I'd say. Um, maybe we could rate the show it at the end. It was a good one. We, we could rate the show with a blow-off sound effect. <laughs> you know, we decide how well the podcast has gone. I keep calling it a show. This is a podcast, Fox. This is our first podcast. Nobody wanted us to be on air together, so we, we're having to do podcasts. But I'm very not as excited as my wife. She's very excited to hear the podcast, but here we are. Um, so um, I'm very conscious there'll be people who... Uh, are listening right now who used to listen to us on the radio so you know who we are i'm giuliano i'm foxy and there's people listening potentially and hopefully more and more of you who've never heard us before yeah i'm foxy i'm giuliano still giuliano yeah um so um what should we do like a bit a bit of a not speed dating but a sort of get to know you some some fun some fun and i don't want to date you would you date me um when you had hair and you really and when you were slimmer (laughs) wow Hang on, how when, long are we in? We're only two minutes in, you've insulted me already. When you weren't breaking garden furniture. That is true, I am carrying a little bit of holiday weight, and sadly that holiday was about 15 years ago. In the last year, how many uh, garden chairs have you smashed by you sitting know what? on them? The, the saddest thing is, the latest casualty was a Father's Day gift that my wife got me for Father's Day, funny enough. Yeah. And it was these, it's like the German version of Ikea. It's a really cheap store. And there were two beautiful, like, um, like, a, like a, a lay down seat. What's the, I don't know, a chaise Lounger, long? a chaise long. That, that type thing for our garden. And we had two. So we had these dreams of Leanne and I sat there with a glass of red in the sunshine. But within two days, I'd sat on it and snapped half of it in, just because of sheer weight. My, my favourite thing in the last year about Foxy is that he broke so much garden furniture sitting on it that he had to construct reinforced his, chair. his own super reinforced chair out of pallets. <laughs> <laughs> think of the weight that a pallet can take. I had to go away, right, as a DIY expert and think to myself, right, what would an HGV truck not be able to break? Because that's what I'm going to have to use as my garden chair. Okay, so uh, we've established that Foxy's larger than he used to can be. Can I just say, I'm not that big. Which You're not, is... No, no, but you've broken chairs and that's funny. Yeah, I'm, I have to have a reinforced chair, but I... I'm still confused as to why even my wife, because she's the one who buys all the garden furniture, either she's buying weak furniture or I am just that fat. Well, <laughs> I'm not sure. let's put the evidence together. You've been breaking garden furniture. I'll tell, let me tell you a story about how fat I am. Right? So, we've got around my house cameras. Okay? Yeah. You know the ring doorbells that you can get? Yeah. My, um, it's like I've got cameras on every corner, so I can log on to my phone. That sounds weird. I'm, I'm like um, Escobar, right? He's got nothing on me. You're exactly like Pablo Escobar, yeah. <laughs> I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm not Colombian. So we've got cameras on every corner, so I can get on my mobile, and then I can check any cameras just to just for, for security reasons. Yeah. And we've got uh, a camera on the front door, which is also the doorbell. So you press that, it rings, I can answer the phone. Here, sat here now. And you can see whoever is at the front door posting your letters. And then you can go through the history of video videos of people who have have activated the security camera and we've got like a little bridge and it sounds very glamorous it's not this little bridge that goes over our pond you have a bridge in your garden i have it's not like the humber bridge or the san fran bridge it's just a little wooden bridge that goes over our pond you go over the bridge you walk towards the front door and it activates the security camera Mm. so my wife and i the other night were, were sat together cuddling bit of a rare moment but there we were and i was stroking a feet and i was just looking on my phone going through any activation of the camera from that day and leanne's head was sat on my lap and she could see what i was flicking through and i was watching the videos and i pressed play on one video and leanne went oh and i was like what and she went who is that fat guy it was me (laughs) it was me coming home from work that, my love, is the man that you've married. Okay, so so Leanne doesn't recognise her own husband walking towards a camera. You've been breaking garden furniture. You've got a super reinforced 
pallet chair yep. that you made yourself to make sure you can't smash the chair. Mm-hmm. And also, do you remember what happened at Dudley Zoo last year? I got stuck in the ride. Yeah, I got <laughs> stuck in the ride. <laughs> Across this, I couldn't. That was it. I so I, there's a, like a little caterpillar thing at Dudley Zoo, a little fairground there. And 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 you know, the little caterpillar rides. My daughter Rosie, seven years old, she was like, Daddy, I want to go on that. I said, Cool, I will sit next to you. So I, I queued up for the ride with a, a very slim father in front of me and his son. And they got in the first, they got in the head of the caterpillar. And I was like, All right, we'll get in the, 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 the next carriage. So Rosie gets in the carriage, and then I got in it. And the guy went, No, mate, you can't get in there. Because I can't get a bar over, so I had to go on my own carriage because I was too fat. I, I'm going to be deadly honest. I didn't realise the podcast was going to go this way. No, the, the, the first bit, because believe it or not, there is a level of organisation here. And the first bit we were going to talk about, it was just say, tell people some fun facts about us. Not, how fat has Foxy got? <laughs> well, it's got a different road, but I think this is the beauty of the podcast. Well... Not that I like to talk about myself, but let's focus on me then. Okay. Give me some music. Um, oh, okay. Well, just give me a second. What kind of music? Just a, just a bit of mood music to talk over so I can tell you about myself. Okay. Uh, what about this? Tell me, Giuliano. Giuliano Romeo Massimo Cassida, your full name. Well, yeah. So my father is Italian. I'm half Italian. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, let's talk about my dad. The reason I've got so many names is because when I went to the registry office, or when he did, to register my birth... They didn't expect you to go on your own. <laughs> I was a very impressive baby. Three days in. Go on, son. You must go and get your name registered. Yeah, Dad. Giorgio's my dad. He didn't realise you don't have to fill in all the boxes. No. So he was just thinking up names. That is a great story. Uh, so, yes, my middle name is Romeo. Uh, you got, got bullied for that at school. Got bullied for that at school. Uh, what else can I tell you about? The, the, the most interesting thing about me is actually dad last year when my sister got married it was a vegan wedding wasn't it my sister's very woke very very cool she talks about the patriarchy a lot she got married in a forest what I find is that I nod a lot but I don't really understand what she's saying yeah and it was a vegan wedding, so yeah. all her friends, they're all very serious vegans. I, I know the end of the story. It's one of my favourite stories. And Dad took along his own um, packed lunch, which consisted of chicken drumsticks, <laughs> sausages, yeah. and pork pies. <laughs> of course he did, yeah, yeah. Which he then proceeded to offer to everyone because, <laughs> because quote, most of the food was rubbish. But <laughs> oh. right, he's got previous on food. Do you remember the time your friend worked at Sainsbury's? Was it Sainsbury's Morrison's? It was, was probably Waitrose. It, it, I, I think you'll find it was Waitrose. I think it was Waitrose, yeah. And, uh, yeah, Dad ended up behind the fish counter trying to teach him how to properly fillet a fish. Giorgio, <laughs> <laughs> I love you. My mate Simon's like, your dad came in on Saturday. I was like, oh, really, yeah. Like, yeah, we had to leave him, ask him to leave the fish counter. <laughs> in, the, in the 15 years that you and I have done breakfast shows in Berkshire and Hampshire, right across the West Midlands, we've used your dad a couple of times to do the impression of the Pope. <laughs> yeah. In retrospect, it was a different age. It was probably quite offensive. Yeah, yeah I think it was. Um, right, can we just explain who is going to be on the podcast? Because we're going to every podcast that we do, we're going to have a guest. Okay, so that's us, and hopefully you'll get to know us more yes, over the week. Yeah, keep popping back. We'll let you know. Hopefully I'll lose weight. Our first guest this week is... I'm like, like a deflated balloon. As the podcasts go on, I just get smaller and smaller. You're like, you're like a, a weight Benjamin Button. I'm hoping by the end of the podcast series that I'll be able to fax myself to work. That's how skinny I want to be. And that's how current we are, folks. <laughs> we're still talking about facts. Machines. <laughs> guest, guest, tease the guest. His name is James Priestley. He's incredible. And um, he's got an incredible story. If you watch SAS Who Dares Wins on Channel 4, you'll know that he won the latest series. So a bit earlier in the year, you'll have seen him on your TV. If you didn't watch that, though, the real reason to listen to him is that he has got an incredible story. And when we're talking about people overcoming challenges, basically his dad was a gangster and the stories you're going to hear later on in the podcast will blow your minds. Yeah. They are incredible. So James Priestley's coming up after that. We're also going to do a bit of pork balls, which if yes. you listen to the show before, you'll know what it is. Yeah. If you didn't listen, I'm not going to explain anymore. No, I, I, I don't mean to switch off. But it is your chance to win a takeaway on us up to the value of 20 English pounds. Can I just say the only podcast on the planet that will potentially pay for your Chinese takeaway? Yeah. What more do you want? Right, can we play a jingle? And then I just want to talk about my little trip to Devon next. Ladies and gentlemen. Foxy and Giuliano. The podcast. Mm-mm.
Thank you very much. Do you remember when we said it wasn't about the Trumps? <laughs> I promise you. Not a little all, bit of Donald here and there has never hurt anybody. Not all of our, not all of our um, jingles are like that. No, no. But, but look, if you keep popping back to the podcasts, you'll hear different jingles. So I want to talk about my holiday. I went to. Uh, there's a reason to listen. I, well, there'll be plenty of anoraks. Lucky to, you. Well, which other podcast? And there may, but may well be one. But which other podcast has got the voice? Or the voice actor of Johnny Bravo on the show, and that's who Mark is. So. Uh, Mark Silk, he's a wonderful voiceover actor. Um, voice of Bugs Bunny. Voice of many people in our family. He's chiefly known as, and oh my goodness, I've forgotten his name. Grandmaster Glitch. Grandmaster Glitch in Ghost Jetters. He's an amazing guy, but thank you very much for doing the jingles, Mark. Anyway, I want to talk about my trip to Devon. Never been to Devon before until last week. Oh, it's lovely. Did you go to Lyme Regis? No. We could be here for some time if you're just going to keep throwing <laughs> places at me and I just... Where did I, you go? We went to Crawford. Have you been to Croyd? No. Tell me about it. I'd never heard of Croyd before. Croyd in Devon. Um, absolutely stunning place. Um, it was by sheer luck that I booked a, an amazing hotel, which I'm not here to name drop the hotel, but it was ideal for my wife and I and our two girls, Rosie and Elsie. It was right on the beach. Was uh, it value for money? It was great value for money and hi to Sandra behind the bar. Now, it was perfect. So it was right on the beach. You've got sand dunes, the highest sand dunes you've ever seen and i think they literally are the, the tallest sand dunes in the uk how are you saying sand dunes sand dunes what's the word i'm looking for you're saying dunes yeah what's the word an I'm, m yeah what's the dunes with an n n okay sorry <laughs> i hope you found that adequately patronizing <laughs> you knew what i was talking about anyway i did so, um, Croyd itself, perfect, sand dune, and then you've got the beach, and we had a couple of days on that beach, and it was perfect. The hotel was great, and blah, blah, blah. To which my wife on the second night said to me, um, oh, I'd like to go to, uh, and she's from Reading, which is why I'm doing a Yorkshire accent, I'd like to go to Woolacombe, which is where my mum and dad used to take me when I was a young girl. So Woolacombe is about, I don't know, a 20 minute drive from Croyd, so I was like, we've got a perfect beach. Uh, do you know, I never understand that. When you book a holiday and there's a beach right there and they're like, should we go to a different beach? I know. And I said to her, I, I don't know what you're expecting. There's going to be sand and then the sea. Yeah. And that's what we've got here. But she, Anyway, she, sorry. She came back with, well, I want to try and recreate the childhood memories that I had. Right? Fair enough. Oh, well, fair enough. And I took our uh, little beach tent. Have you got beach tents? You've got a little beach? We've got a beautiful little beach tent. Blue uh, with guide ropes. It's perfect. So we park up at Woolacombe and I stick the beach tent on my back and I've got the rucksack with some drinks for the girls, a few snacks, uh, a few games for the beach. So we get onto Woolacombe and the beach that we were at before in Croyd was there was us and about three other families. Woolacombe, four million people during a pandemic, a mile long beach. So the longest beach you can get in Devon. Perfect. Thousands and thousands of people upon it. Bring on a Corona Pina Canada. <laughs> So I pitch up our, and we're very proud of our little uh, beach tent, our blue beach tent. It's beautiful. It's got little pockets. You can put your phone in your kit. It's great. So I pitch up the little tent, and we start playing in the sand, and I was enjoying myself. My wife said, do you know what? I'm going to go and get an ice cream. So off she goes. She was from Yorkshire, and now she's... She's moving she's, back to Reading, where she's from originally. Yeah, so she goes off to get an ice cream, and I think, do you know what? I'll be the responsible father here. So I give the girls a treat just to keep them quiet while Leanne's gone. And I'm stood there. I'm just watching the thousands upon thousands and thousands of, and there were loads of beach tents like ours, but not as nice as ours because we're very proud of ours. And there were thousands of people doing various things on the beach. To which, in the corner of my eye, I saw a young kid walking a little tiny Yorkshire Terrier. And I kept my eye on him as he was walking closer and closer towards our beach tent and i thought to myself well you know why is he he's coming directly here there are thousands of beach tents why is he coming towards us and as he walks past our beach tent of which we're very proud of and we use it every single year to go to various beaches the dog takes that moment to do a turf out on our beach tent <laughs> and i just stood there and i thought out of the thousands upon thousands of beach tents that this dog could have chosen to do a plopsy. He's picked mine, of which I'm very proud of. Foxy and Giuliano, the podcast. I hope it's good. Hope I'm good. Hi, Georgina. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you very much. Whereabouts are you calling from? Cheslin, uh, hi. Cheslin, hey, Jude. <laughs> don't think, I don't know where you're sense. going with this. No, I don't either. <laughs> so, Georgina, a time that an animal has ruined your holiday. It was actually just a day holiday and it didn't ruin it, it made me quite 
excited to be first. Okay, so it's not a holiday. It was a day out. We've got that bit wrong. And also, it didn't ruin it. It was brilliant. This sounds like the perfect call for us. <laughs> it was amazing. Go on, then. So what, what happened on this day out? Right, I've gone to Dudley Zoo with my husband. We were walking around, stopped at the line enclosure. He looked at me, turned his back on me, flicked his tail and peed all over me. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally soaked from top to toe. So, sorry, and that made your day? It was amazing. How many people can say I've been pissed on by a lion? <laughs> Foxy and Giuliano, the podcast. It's pretty damn fine. Hi, Lisa. Hello. Hello, my love. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Are you? Yes, I'm very good. Thank you very much. So, we're asking the question on this podcast. Has an animal ever ruined your day out? Yes, or your holiday. Okay, your holiday. So, just describe the holiday to me then, Lise. So, we were in holiday in um, South Devon. We had, at the time, bless him, he's not with us anymore, but um, we had an English bull terrier who was a bit nuts. And we were down on this, on the River Dart, and there was like a nice pub, and the tide was in, so it was a full tide. Uh, I think it was a five, I can't remember what it was now. Five metre tide, it was, it was quite a high tide. Yeah. Right, right. I'm going to be honest, Lisa. Lisa, we, didn't we don't need, need, we we... Don't need the, 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 the height of the tide. I am sorry, love, we cannot carry on with this call until you give me the exact measurement of the tide. <laughs> I do not deal with any callers unless the tide is above six metres. Thanks very much for your call. I, I, I fear you're overthinking this, OK? This, 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 is, this, is, this is trivial at best. OK. What, what happened on your holiday? Hang on, which, wind was the, which way was the wind blowing, Lise, before we move on with the call? <laughs> uh, anyway, do you yeah. continue? Yeah, let's carry on, yeah. It was a big tide, yeah. OK, so it was a big tide, yes. Um, so we were, we were having a drink outside this pub and... Um, the dog, he's um, was a bit nuts. We could never let him off the lead, really, if you were out walking. But my sort of then husband at the time was like, "Oh, let's let him off." When he jumped in, and then I, I don't know if you've ever seen the dog struggling when it's swimming. And he looked petrified, and he, he, he just couldn't swim properly. No. Um, so he started getting swept sort of down the river onto this bridge, and I was panicking, and my kids are panicking, and I'm like, oh, what are we going to do? And he has got a heart problem, he had a heart problem where he'd... Um, well, let's just, let's just go back over this, okay? Out. You've got a crazy dog that should never be let off the lead, let off the lead. <laughs> a crazy dog that shouldn't be let off the lead. Let yeah. off the lead. Let off the lead. Let off the lead, yeah. And that can't swim, you yeah. let it swim. Yeah. yeah. And, well, and it's got a heart murmur. <laughs> yeah, he had, yes. But to be fair, we'd never really seen him. Whether he could swim or not, so we didn't know. Right. Please tell me there's a happy ending to this where you didn't just wave goodbye and go, yeah, right, the heart problem's it. gone. It was a five-metre yeah, tide. Yeah. yeah. I know. Um, I was trying to think how old my daughter was at the time. I think it doesn't matter. About, <laughs> no, it does, because I have to, have to emphasise that she was young. She was only about eight. She was about to jump in. Yeah. She was panicking. And I thought, I can't have that. So I jumped in, fully clothed, swam down to the bridge, got hold of his collar, rescued him, swam back. Like I say, my then husband at the time was just stood there with a pint in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> was, was quite chuffed with the fact that he helped me get out the water. <laughs> he was like the hero. And I was like, yeah, don't worry about it. Don't, yeah, I'll save the dog. <laughs> well, Lisa, you win the prize for the most detail in a story ever. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And now, a lovely professional voice to say, Foxy and Giuliano. The podcast. Right, let's get our guest on. One man from Leeds, which means he doesn't really have a decent taste in rugby league or football teams. <laughs> but he did win SAS Who Dares Win, so I'll explain that Giuliano came up with that bit. He's double hard. He is double hard, but I very much doubt he's ever managed to open up the packaging of a lol doll in under five minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, James Priestley! James! Hey. How are you, my man? Awesome, doing very well, thanks. How are you guys? Uh, really good, and thank you very much for being on our first ever podcast. Uh, the first question is this, have you ever managed to undo the packaging of a lol doll under five minutes? 
I don't know what it is, but I'm going to say yeah. <laughs> you haven't, mate. He won who, he won who dares wins. It doesn't matter. Have you ever, <laughs> Juliana, have you ever tried to open up a LOL doll? I haven't. We haven't gone the LOL doll route, no. Oh, my word. It's the, what is it? Plastic encased or? Yeah, it's a, it's a kid's thing. My daughters absolutely love them. They cost about £4,000 for a bit of plastic, and it's well worth <laughs> it. And But the packaging is, like, it takes hours just to get inside the LOL doll. It's ridiculous. It's got screws on it underneath as no, well. it's just pure packaging, just pure plastic packaging, but it's just the most difficult thing I've ever had to do in my entire life. Did you think you'd be talking about lol dolls? <laughs> yeah, oh, I knew that was going to come up at some point. <laughs> Straight away, I mean, come on. Well, surely if you knew that, James, you'd have prepped and bought one just to do it live yeah. on, on the podcast. Right, let me do let me, let me me do the, 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 the sensible bit just for a bit, because th- there'll be people who know you because they watch the latest series of SES Who Dares Wins on Channel 4, and, and you won it. Which is which is yeah. great, but the thing that I find even more interesting than that, you, you also run a, a business. You've got a, a state agents business. You employ about a hundred people, and that's going great, isn't it? Yeah, that's going very good. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, but the the, the thing that I find most interesting about you is, I think it's fair to say, you've overcome a fair few challenges, and and that's what we're going to get into uh, uh, today, just chatting away with you because you have got a backstory. It is it is absolutely incredible, and the things that you've overcome, I think there's a lot of people who, if they went through the kind of things that you were going through, they might have ended up on the scrap heap. Maybe, yeah. Of course, it's just. Um... How you look at things, basically. So you're totally right. You can fall at the first hurdle if you think that it's impossible to recover, um, or if you if you don't see it as a as a hurdle. Obviously, you just keep going. So yeah, it's one of those things, really. So like, let's we'll we'll get into the SAS stuff in a little bit because that's incredible in itself. But um, to put it bluntly, your your dad was a gangster, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah, he was. So what he did was he used to drive trucks and he would just take different things for, for different underworld mobsters um, overseas and bring certain things back. Um, what walks hand in hand with that is obviously just the, the gangland mentality as well. What kind of things was he bringing back? Or can he not say? Lol dolls. Lol dolls. <laughs> yeah. People are still trying to open them now. Um. <laughs> if only if only customs had been going after lol dolls, they wouldn't have found anything. <laughs> yeah. Just got your first million in cocaine deal right there, James. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Send them through, lol dolls, send them through. Um, yeah, so what... Basically, it would be different each time, but he would. Um, the, the strategy behind it was using the spare tyres. They would either take, you know, up to a million pound in shrink wrap notes out to certain countries to Spain, and then bring certain shrink wrapped um, drugs back, and vice versa as well. They'd be taking drugs out and bringing it back. Um, but yeah, certain things would happen where uh, you get too greedy. So. You'd be getting paid. I don't know. Let's just say it was around twenty-five thousand, which might be the going rate these days. Um, from watching certain programs, that you get paid twenty-five thousand pounds to be a drug mule throughout the continent. Um, that could have been what it was paid before. But when you realise how much money you're actually taking out, that's when he, you know, potentially saw an opportunity and wanted to take some of that himself rather than the actual payment where. You can go to prison for you know for 15 years for, for trafficking drugs, and for the sake of 25,000 pounds, it's it doesn't sort of add up. So the danger side of it is because he did get green fingers. You know, he was he was sort of stealing money from people, and that's when we started to get a lot of violence our way from a very young age. Now, so when you say from a young age, what age are we talking about? So to, when I say violence, it's more the threat of violence. The earliest one I can remember will be. Um, when I was a toddler, and well, a bit older than a toddler, maybe, maybe like four, five, something like that, we'd come back from the supermarket, come through the front door of the house, <clears throat> and I remember holding my mum's hand, and we'd gone, we'd just come through into the kitchen. There was just a group of men sat around the kitchen table, all in balaclavas, um, and there were sawn-off shotguns on the kitchen table. And so, again, <clears throat> you've no idea what you're looking at at that age, but. My mum being sort of that protective lioness that she was, um, I remember her going absolutely berserk. And uh, and we managed to get our way out of there, even though somebody had shut the door behind us. We managed to get our way out of there and get in the car. And as we were just about to go, someone stood in front of the car wearing a balaclava and just put his finger to his mouth to say, shush, and don't talk about this. Um, so that's the, the earliest thing, which 
in all honesty, for me, it's not traumatic at all because you can't really comprehend what's going on. What what must have been going from my mum's mind was the, the the real suffering because she's the only thing between this group of men killing her kids, kids, you know. So I had two two older brothers with me as well. So that's the start of it, and then obviously the community that, that you're in as well in Bradford, everybody starts to know who you are and, and the family name. So um, it, it starts sort of getting ramped up a little bit from there onwards. Is that why your estate agency is doing so well? <laughs> yeah, so we've I've managed to bury a lot of money in the uh, fields. <laughs> no, 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 you will rent off this house off me. Oh, I'll tell you what, do you know my surname? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, you know, people pay rent when you put a shotgun on the table. They just pay straight away. So, <laughs> you know, you you just said all that about your upbringing and uh, and like your earliest memories, and you just say it like it's just normal. But for us, we're sat here, and I had a shiver going down my spine because it's just, it's just a, a crazy world, isn't it? Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Now that I'm fully aware of of situations, I am totally in your boots that. That is absolutely mental at that age to be exposed to things like that. It's mental, but at the time, um, you can't really comprehend the danger that you're in. You just sort of that's that's what it is. That's what happens. Um, so uh, you know, now I think yeah, absolutely mental. But at the time, it was just one of those things, which again, I suppose is is what we're here to talk about as well. That is the way you look at something. Well, yeah. I mean, were you ever tempted into it, or was it just a case of, look, that's my dad. He does what he does, and I've got no control over it. Yeah. So, unfortunately, uh, that sort of um, era in my life, and and earlier on, what was cool back then in school was to be tough and to be the toughest person there. And so, when you've got this family name and uh, people expect you to be this person, you do just become it. And what surrounds you it is this sort of illegal culture that it's not cool to be smart or, um, you know, things like that. It's cool to be a tough guy. So I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll specifically tell you what happened. So um, at the age of about 11, I can't have been older than 11, um, you, you're already sort of known throughout school for certain things that are not cool. Um, and at the age of about 11, there was a guy who pulled up in this red Beamer, had a private number plate as we were waiting to get on the bus in the morning. And he said, oh, you're, you're James Priestley, you're so-and-so and you're so-and-so to my other two friends that I was with. Do you fancy earning 20 quid after school? So we said, yeah. And we knew this guy and we knew that he was a, a bad guy, drug dealer. He says, yeah, we want to be affiliated with this guy because it's cool because everybody knows this guy. So after school, we got off the bus, got in this guy's car, <clears throat> he took us to the other side of Bradford, to this house, pulled in, these, these guys were just smoking and drinking, and it, it was cool, do you want a beer? Yeah, sweet, awesome. Just welcomed in to these guys, having no idea that they were manipulating us into doing something. We just thought, this is awesome, to be around these sort of people. And then after that, he says, let me come and show you something that's cool, and it's going to really annoy you. Um, because it annoys me, got us in the car, took us to um, to the other side of, of Keithley, I think it was, going down these back streets for ages, eventually come to this massive building that's got plastic all over the, the windows, it's totally abandoned. We'll go into there, and there's a guy hanging upside down by his feet. He's strung up on this pillar, and they're just punching him. And uh, he said, this guy has stolen from me, and this is my best friend, and he's stolen from me. Can you believe it? So I stood there going, you know, this is bullshit. I cannot believe he's done that to you. And hated this guy. And then they said, cool, well, th- that's it. So all, all I wanted from you, really, what do you reckon? He said, this is awesome. You know, we love this stuff. Got 20 quid, went home, told him when I've been playing football with the guys on the wreck. And he said, you know, I don't need to tell you guys. You can't talk to anybody about this. And they said, yeah, of course. Is, is that... This is that cool little thing that we're a part of now. And ever so quickly, it gets worse and worse and worse to the point where we start doing things to people and we're the only people in this room that don't have a balaclava on. You know, and 11, 12-year-old kids, and I know full well now, the whole reason why they're doing it, the clever thing about it is they have plausible deniability. 
whatever we did to these guys on behalf of these drug dealers, if these guys went to the police, all they can name is us and what's going to happen to us, these these kids, you know, so... Uh, these days, that would be, I mean, that would be the start of county lines, wouldn't it? I've actually got no idea. Yeah, um, county lines is where basically where criminals just use children to do jobs for them, but I'm, I'm right. thinking mostly transporting drugs and stuff like that, and it's the plausible deniability, exactly what you're yeah. talking about. It's, it's, it's basically a form of grooming to get to kids to do stuff because they can't get in as much trouble as, as, as an adult. That's exactly what it is, yeah, and rolling on from the fact that it's a cool thing to do as well, manipulating the kids into believing that this is the right thing to do because obviously kids are these days and uh, how, whenever they are kids... They're sponges to be manipulated, aren't they? This is this is crazy. Like, and I know you you've turned. How on earth do you turn your life around from that then? So I was very very lucky. So again, t- doing all of this, it was sick. How much I loved doing things like that. That they had convinced me into not only doing these things and and convincing me to thinking these people deserved it, but sickly enjoying it because of what it created and the person you think you are. So it got to the crossroads at sort of age 14 where my mum and dad had been doing very well in the, the businesses that they'd got, whether it be legitimate combined with the sort of criminal behaviour or they were able to set up this business with the criminal money and it was doing well, this um, this freight forwarding company. It came into a lot of money through one way or another. Still don't know the truth, to be honest with you. And we moved A lot from- of lol dolls. Yeah, <laughs> I remember seeing a garage full of them and just thinking that's weird. But um, yeah, the, uh, basically we moved from Bradford to a mansion in York, a detached mill with a river next to it, straight out of a state school in Bradford where people carry knives and it's the only way you resolve your issues is through fighting, no other way. Getting dropped into a, a private school where... You go to school on a Saturday, and because the house hadn't gone through just yet, um, we had to board, you know, from, from September. And it was just a complete fish out of water, you know. We we arrived at this school with the chavy haircuts, wearing rock ports, um, and there's all the other kids that are just in, like, nice suits, and they, you know, they know how to carry themselves and stuff, and we weren't too sure, me and my brother, how, how to do things. And just weirdly, it was quite scary. You know, compared to where we've come from, we just didn't quite know how to fit in. But luckily, you, know, you were more scared of the the, the straight life, yeah. so to speak, than, than yeah. because that wasn't your normal. Yeah, exactly. It was. Uh, you you get really insecure. You know what are people thinking of me, and it's it's weird. Very strange couple of weeks there, because it's a completely different culture. But what happened was you start. It, it, it becomes who you are. So you start seeing that becoming a gentleman, becoming clever, and so you've got to be the smartest and be the, the best at sport to be the coolest person. And so that's what you strive to be. You know, I wasn't either of those things, but you start going down that path and thinking, what the hell was I thinking before? You know, what a loser I was. Absolute loser. Like, it's not cool to be a tough guy at all. James, it sounds yeah. like, it's almost like a, a, a double life or like there's half of you as this and then half of you as this completely other person. Is that why uh, quite a lot during SAS, Who Dares Wins, you kept on saying, or we saw a few times you saying, I'm doing this because I want to find out. Um, it was almost like you were describing a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other and you weren't quite sure who you were. Yep, you're absolutely right. So I still have thoughts now where let's just say it's a it's a friend or you know someone a friend for example does something and you, you just let, let it slide and it's it's what happens you know you just this is the the society as we are you just let it slide and it water off a duck's back sort of thing and, and be a professional and be you know sane whereas sometimes I have thoughts where I think I just want to go around to this person's house and drag them out of bed and so you start thinking, what's up? you know, why am I still... One thing I did say on there was, I am a million miles away from the person that I was when I was 14, a million miles away. However, you're still just thinking, is that person still there waiting to come out? And because I'm luckily fortunate enough in the situations that I'm in today, 
I can prepare for every single situation that I face every single day. So you can be whoever you want to be. Whereas the whole reason why I wanted to go on that program was to be pushed beyond any limit that I had so that the raw, whatever was raw inside of me, that person that I am, I can't prepare. I can't be somebody else. It was just the raw me that would come out. And, I, you know, it's the best way, the only way I could see I could find out what sort of person I am. Do you do you mentor people? Because you, you you strike me as the kind of person who 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 could really connect with people who are m- maybe at that well, sort of crossroads. I thought you were going to say crack somebody in the jaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what your connections like? <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, this is why I wanted to get you on. I think your story. You know, if we if we're not prepared to look honestly at people's backstory and go, okay that did happen and you've you've shown some contrib i mean if you were coming on here and going yeah actually lads there's nothing better than just cracking people in the jaw that would be a problem i probably wouldn't have got you on but like you you to me you're an inspiration to people very cool thank you honestly i do not see myself that way at all i suspected Um, you would say that yeah i'm just very lucky to have experienced what i've experienced and i wouldn't change it for the world but of course anybody who's listening if there's just one person that thinks yeah, it's not impossible, and everybody does have a choice. You're not forced to do anything. The way I see it is it was very weak of, of me. How I was before was just weak. You know, you, you're supposed to have that moral compass, and a weaker person goes against the path of least resistance. So you just think it's easy to just do this, let's do this. Whereas if you're a strong person, you go, no, that's wrong. I'm actually going to go down this road instead that everybody's got a choice and it was very weak of how I was before so anybody who thinks that well it's difficult doing that sort of thing and it's you know being tough and all that sort of thing no it isn't it's actually difficult to say to those people no I'm not doing this so yeah of, of course not a million miles from it do, do not promote that sort of thing ever I just think they're absolute losers who do things like that now uh, do you know what? I befriended Heather Fisher who plays for England female rugby team and she did yeah. SAS um, she did the celeb thing and uh, do you know what she said I mean she is I mean she trains 15 times a day she's absolutely ripped and she's incredible at rugby and she's an amazing yeah. character but she said to me that doing the SAS thing was the toughest challenge of her life absolutely so the physical aspect of it goes out the window you know so your body is broken it's done after day three it's broken it's the, it's the mental aspect of it, which I know it just sounds cringe, like, oh, yeah, what the mentally breaking and stuff, but it, the the torture methods that they have is so surgical, it, it's just unbelievable. brings you the closest you have ever been to in touch with yourself, that how far the human mind can actually go. So um, I've forgotten how, how far she got, if she got to interrogation stage, but... I think she might have done. I'm not entirely um, sure, but I just know that um, it was it the one with Tony Bellew on it. No, the one before. Oh, the, the one, one before. before. Did anyone see Tony Bellew? I thought he was actually going to hit Ant Middleton. Tony <laughs> Bellew's like a heavyweight boxer. Yeah. I, d- hang I, on, don't talk to me about boxing. I am boxing. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Tyson. <laughs> yeah, I've been in a ring before, Sunshine. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> I've, had a, Frank, down. I've had a Frank Bruno. Don't you mess with me, man. How scary is Middleton? Is, what's he like? Yeah, he's, he's actually just got an aura around him. It's not a it's not a fear thing at all. It's a co- complete admiration and respect. So you hang on his every word. You do exactly what, what he says. You come across these people in walks of life, don't you, where you meet them and it's a totally exceptional person. And that's exactly what he is. Hands behind his back, and he'll just look at everybody. And you are—you can hear a pin drop. You are listening. I need to listen to what this guy is about to say. Would you follow um, him in wherever he goes? Absolutely, one one hundred percent. I will follow him anywhere because it's the perfect. Com- what they have these SAS guys is the perfect combination of intellect and savagery. So they know exactly how to control themselves when the worst situations happen. So people are getting blown up, there's bullets everywhere. Your Land Rover that was due to take you away is now just being blown up. They will keep 
a level surface and they will know exactly what to do. So, yeah, of course, if he dropped in now and said, um, just hang up on these guys and go, sweet, just hang up. <laughs> you, you, you choose Ant Middleton over. Oh, here those... he is. Oh, is, it... <laughs> oh, is it that time? You've got to go. <laughs> oh, here's a dilemma for you. Ant Middleton comes along. He says, James, I've got a hell of a lot of lol dolls. <laughs> James will sit there and open them up for him. Yeah. Well, oh, do you know what? Yeah. James, before we... look, we've taken enough of your time and we're deadly serious when we say we appreciate you being on the podcast, but. Can I just ask, what is next for you? Because you, you mentioned before that there, you're now planning on what's next. What is next for you? So, personally, obviously the Empire is always there first. So, creating happy lives for all the staff, making sure everybody's happy, building the Empire business-wise. But for me personally, I'd actually booked in for the 31st of October this year to break the Guinness World Record for the longest distance road in 24 hours on a Concept 2 rower. Uh, so you continuously just keep rowing, basically. Oh, um, why? Unfortunately, they, they're not going to... I know. Well, why? Actually, I'll why? tell you why. So when, when I'd come back from um, the SES thing, it was October last year. Start of November, I went up onto the gym floor and thought, right, what's next for me? And I went on the gym floor and I, I thought, what's the bit of machinery that I hate the most in this entire place? And it was the rowing machine. I've got to choose that. And then I had to look through certain stuff. And this, this was the... Um, this was the best one. So I've got to get over 106,000 metres in 24 hours. So, uh, I've, I've, yeah, training was going really well. But obviously, since this pandemic, because I wanted to do it on Brigger in Leeds, which is the main street in Leeds, wanted everybody to come and watch me for 24 hours, then they can't allow it, obviously, at the minute. So I'm going to push that back to next year. But that's going to be the next physical, personal thing for me. So, you know what, James? Um, you, you're amongst good company because Juliana's got a world record. No, well, I used to have a. I was in the Guinness Book of World Records. Has I think it gone. I think it's 2015 or 2016. I'm in the book. It yeah. was a hell of a physical. No it was a physical yeah. thing, wasn't it? Yeah. It, honestly, I, I can. If you need help, I know you've got Aunt Middleton in your in your I pocket. If you need, but, but I can help you with no, uh, training you. and motivation. I. Uh, had the world record for staying on a uh, dodgem for the longest amount of time. <laughs> He's your man. He could be in your corner if you want, James. And then oh some absolute God. shower <laughs> in, in Australia, in Australia it? Yeah, took yeah. it by about like 30 seconds scum. or something like that. Absolute subhuman oh scum. God. I was on there for like, I think it was 26 hours and 52 minutes. No way. Yeah, yeah. I tell you oh what, my, my, my backside and, and my knees have never been so sure. <laughs> we'll take that off for the tease for the podcast. I think. James, thank you so much for your time, mate. Stay in touch and we'd love to get you on again at some point, if that's all right yeah, with my you. My pleasure. My pleasure, guys. Anytime, honestly, I appreciate it. Thank um, you. And, and fingers crossed the world gets back to normal. We can we can yeah. meet face to face just so you can see the sheer size of my biceps. <laughs> I can't wait. I'll get <laughs> James Priestley, thank you very much. Take care, mate. Bye bye. Cheers, boys. Thank you. See you later. Foxy and Giuliano, the podcast. It's a podcast. Deborah. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, very good. Thank you very much. Whereabouts are you calling from? Birmingham. Birmingham. Um, so what? what's your animal? So I have a, a beautiful British bulldog called Rocco. And she's about six stone in weight. Mm. Muscle and love. That's what they say about me. <laughs> it's just like Foxy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I have a, a British bulldog. And, okay. Um, what did he ruin? So uh, we'd got him booked in um, to stay at a, a place where instead of him going to a kennel, somebody looks after and loves him for two weeks. Oh. But before he goes, um, they do like a trial. So we have to bring him over and then make sure that, you know, the lady's happy with him. So when I brought him over, I noticed as we were in her living room and in the garden... There were little fairies and little gnomes everywhere. And I just thought to myself, oh, no. You know, when you just think something's going to go on here. So she proceeded to take us outside and was very proud of the fairies and the gnomes that she'd got in the garden, to which Rocco decided to go and do a number two on one of the fairies. Look, I'm not. I'm not even talking a little number two. I'm talking, you know, one that seems to last a couple of minutes. Well, you told us he, he like he's six stone in pure muscle. <laughs> he's got something to push out, hasn't he? And love. 
then decides to proceed to go over to the gnome and decorate that with a bit of wig. Beautiful. Okay, yeah. so what happened? What did she What did she think about that? So, well, you could see she was horrified. And she said, oh, he's a, he's a bit bigger than I normally have. And I've never had a dog do that to my fairy. So she said, let's go inside and I'll get him a treat. Yeah. So she proceeded to go into her pantry to look for the treat. And as she's gone in, he's decided to go straight over to the door, sort of lock her in and do a protest where we're sitting right outside the door, wouldn't move. <laughs> to which she's then shouting, let me out, let me out. And I just, I was trying to get him to move and he just looked at me as if to say, Mum, we both know this isn't working. You're not going on holiday and I'm not coming to her with the fairies and the gnomes. <laughs> so we finally got her out of the cupboard and she'd got a coffee table just as we're going. So just as we're about to go and she's trying to shoo us out the door, you could see that, you know, she didn't want us there anymore. He proceeds to go under the coffee table and lift it up so he's sort of walking with it on his back. <laughs> You're making you know, this up. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not joking. So then I, I get him in the car and I looked at him and he looked at me as if to say, you know, that wasn't working for me. So I thought it might be okay, you know, the next time, you know, next time, because I was due to go on holiday two weeks later, it might be okay when he goes to stay. But then I had an email banning him. He got banned from, from, from the place and he wasn't allowed to stay with anybody else. As a result of the email said, defecating on fairies. Urinating on gnomes, locking people in cupboards and destroying coffee tables. Your dog got barred before it was even allowed into the hotel. So he got completely, uh, he got barred for life. Foxy and Giuliano, the podcast. Thank you very much for all your stories on our Facebook page, by the way. Foxy and Giuliano, the podcast is where we are at. We love hearing your stories, so please try and get involved on there. It's also where you need to go if you want to win a takeaway. On us, it's time for Port Balls. Port Balls, Port Balls, get your Port Balls. Will you be our caller? From our ball I calls Port Balls, Port Balls. Get your pop balls, get the number right, and you'll get your pop tonight. Right then, so our first contestant for Port Balls, the podcast version. What's your name and where you from? Martin from Kingsley. Martin from Kingsley! Hello, Martin. Martin. Hello, lad. How are you, my man? You well? Yeah, I'm all good. I'm all good. I'm going to win this. Yeah, well, you'll be the first person on the planet to ever do so. On the on the day that we've recorded this, it's a very hot, sunny day. How's it looking around Kings Heath, Northfield area in Birmingham? Well, we are the Caribbean of the Midlands, don't forget. It is absolutely beautiful here all year round, lads. If you had a dignitary visiting like Boris Johnson or the Queen and you were going to give a tour of that part of Birmingham, where where would you take the Prime Minister? Uh, I'll probably take him down Kings Norton Canal. Right. Okay. What, why Kings Norton Canal? Well, there's probably a lot of stuff that he can see within the canal. Um, I, if I throw him in, he can sort of swim around for a bit, can't he? Okay, so you take him for a lovely swim in the canal. Anywhere else? What about around Northfield? Oh, Northfield, Black Horse. I'd take him up to the Grosvenor Shopping Centre. Uh, I'd take him down Hilltop Park. I'd take him around my aunt's. Um, she's 93 and um, she'd probably look forward to seeing him, to be honest. OK, well, that sounds like a, <laughs> lo- a lovely day out in Northfield. If you've never been, everyone. <laughs> then they used to have a beach in Northfield. Oh, they certainly did. Northfield by the sea. Yeah. Describe that to us, Martin. For, for people, new listeners to ourselves and this podcast, describe the, the if beach. They've never been to this part of Birmingham. What's it like, a beach in Northfield? Well, people sitting around drinking cans of Stella, children running riot by the uh, the quiet Bristol Road, uh, <laughs> rave music, dance music. Um, it's perfect, to be honest. Fixing well with Northfield. You've sold it, Mark. You've sold it to me. It Come sounds on. <laughs> So, Martin. Yes. You are going to be the first person who is going to play our game Pork Balls. Okay. okay for this. this is your chance to win a takeaway on us up to yeah. the value of £20 
Sterling. Well, hey. Okay. Now, all you have to do is guess what number Pork Balls is on the menu of the Chinese restaurant that we have called. Let's do this. It's a big... Don't jump into this, Martin, okay? Okay. Now... Ready. All I can tell you, because I want to help you win. I'm on your side, Martin. Okay. The restaurant, and I hope this helps, that we called was in Australia. Okay, yeah, I've narrowed it down. Okay, so what's your tactics? What, what's, what's your strategy here for pork balls? I, I, I'm thinking um, it's going to be between the um, chicken and prawn rice and potentially between the mushroom curry that they have there as well. Okay, so... so so, Australia. So on your local menu, for example... Yeah. What sort of number are you thinking about, or do you, th- or do you think go the opposite because they're the other side of the world? No, no, I'm going for number seventy-one. Seventy-one. Okay, right. Come on, Martin, are you sure? Yeah, hundred percent. Wait, wait. Are you? When you say, do you want to lock it in? Because once it's locked in, it is locked. I'm going to change my answer. Oh no. <laughs> what are you changing it to, Matt? I'm going to go for 56. 56. Right. Are we locking you in on 56? Or do you want to go back to 71? No, lock me in on 56. He's locked in. He's locked in. Yeah, if we thought about it, we'd have a sort of locking sound effect, but we haven't got that. We'll do that next time. (laughs) Bosh. Locked. Let's call the takeaway. Hello? Hi, g'day. I just wondered what number your um, port balls are on your takeaway menu. What, what was that, sorry? I just wonder what number, you, you know your sweet and sour pork? I just wondered what number it was on your menu, on your takeaway menu. 47. Was that 47, you say? Yeah. 47. All right, thank you very much. Have a lovely day. You too. Bye. I'm oh, so sorry, Martin. Martin. I am so sorry. Right, Martin. James, didn't you say that if you get within ten of it, you get a free meal anyway? <laughs> we had the celebration music ready and everything. Yeah. We wanted to play it for it you. It's all there wow. ready, but sadly not. Martin, it's I been... I like ruining the disappointment again. <laughs> Martin, it's always a pleasure, never a chore. You're going to have to pay for your own takeaway this weekend. Do, do you know what the other thing is as well? This is the exact way not to end a podcast on a massive downer. You're exactly right there, Giuliano. <laughs> Martin, thank you very much Cheers, for being lads, on our podcast. Cheers. Goodbye, Martin. Bye, bye, bye. A laugh me a laugh, grin me a grin, and then I know that we can win. Dance me a dance, joke me a joke, and blow the clouds away. You gotta play me a tune. I sing me a song And we can help push life along Just you and me Come on and see Together we'll be okay This is how you end it Open your heart And then we've got somewhere to start Just turn around Look what we found Today's a brand new day You gotta run with me now I'll show you how the world is waiting. Take a bow. Show them it's you. What you can do. Together we do can win. So there we go. That was our first ever podcast. Foxy and Giuliano, thank you very much for listening to the whole thing in its entirety. Thank you very much to our guest, James Priestley, everyone. Thank you very much for all our callers. Thank you to Martin for playing the first ever Port Balls. Don't forget to tell everybody about the Foxy and Giuliano, the podcast. We will be back very soon with episode two. Please rate it. Please like it. Please subscribe. Please just do things. (laughs) So just sing along, and then we know.